Okay, while I appreciate the schematics you provided, and I applaud your dedication in learning CAD slash CAM to make them detailed enough for the actual construction of a bracer that automatically loads and cocks hand crossbows, I am still ruling that your gnome ranger slash fighter cannot use his tinker ability to construct the device and dual wield hand crossbows. Welcome to another episode of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today on the Grognards, we're going to be talking about another class in the Dungeons and Dragons rule set. But before that, as always, we like to kind of figure out what's been going on in each other's lives in terms of what games we've played. And since the last time we sat down in the studio, all of us were in attendance at the Winter War Gaming Convention in Champaign, Illinois. And, folks, I'm here to tell you, hand on a Bible, I saw Eric Hawley actually play a game that wasn't D&D. I played two board games at Winter Ooh. War. I know. I saw that. I got I, pictures. And, and I was there are pictures. Out. That's right, Greg. Yeah. There are pictures. I won both. <laughs> yes. Well, you... Shocking. One was a co-op. Yeah, one was a co-op. Yeah. So right. I had help. That's right. Let the other people play. The other one was Firefly, <laughs> and I went from last place to winning in two turns and everybody was shocked. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about our segment, Games People Play. All right. So, gentlemen, we were all in attendance at the Winter War Gaming Convention. So, Greg, what did you play that was not D&D related? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I loaded that question. Yeah. <laughs> I, decided, I, hadn't, I hadn't done any Adventures League since July. So, um, and you know, when yeah. I saw you, um, so you did all D and D type stuff, right? Yeah. They, they had a, um, they had a specific adventure path at the con and I wanted to try to play through the whole thing as best I could. And, um, when I met you at the con, you were a little disgruntled, um, because you came down and you're like, God damn, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, what was that all? That about? was just at the time. Uh, there was you a. Probably caught him early in the morning. <laughs> well, that was part of it too. Uh, no, no, this was in the afternoon. Yeah, this was it on was a Friday, Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, I'd taken the uh, taken the afternoon off to go to that. Uh, there was just a uh, a switch in the game that we played. We were supposed to play the uh, first scenario of the adventure path, and I think there was a game master switch, and we played something different. Um, oh, I, I thought was, it was related to the fact that you hadn't played AL in a while, and they kind of switched how they. Do well, oh, I was season eight rules, that was uh, uh, that I was more angry about that on Saturday than I was on Friday. But yeah, I hadn't um, since I hadn't played since July. I was still uh, my characters were all living in a season seven world mm. and I show up there and it's season eight and they have changed all the advancement rules on season eight. And I'm like, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've got 18,000 experience points. And they're like, which don't count for shit. Yeah, we're probably going to do an entire podcast about Adventures League because there's a lot of details and I was picky stuff that goes into that. I was super confused by that. I didn't know what to do. Fortunately, I just just flat out just didn't level up my character. I had enough experience points to level up, but I was playing with with a bunch of characters that were a lower level than me. Um, so I just let it go. And then the next morning when I was playing the same character again, I got, you know, got there in time to, to ask the game master who was super nice and walked me through. And the con also had handouts, um, yeah. how to fix your character for season eight, which was really nice of them. I guess, uh, wizards. If you keep your characters on adventures, league log.com, it trans 
forms them automatically. Yeah. So, so that's that internet thing. But you had fun, right? Yeah, I had a good time. I uh, had some really good game masters. Like, like I said, it was an adventure path design. You know, they were scenarios written for the con. Uh, it was there were some pretty hairy situations. Um, I was one death saving throw away at one point uh, in this really ugly battle we were in, and um, uh, now my. Uh, now my uh, monk character has a really cool scar. <laughs> All right. It says "worthy" down her forearm. So Ooh, wow. So uh, interesting story. Yeah, it was, it was it was fun. I had a good time, and I got you know got to sit and watch you guys. Uh, I saw Dean uh, doing a really cool racing game. Yes, yes. Um, I guess I'll segue right into that. I was at Winter War. It's one of my favorite game conventions to go to, primarily because it's just all about gaming. There's yeah. really nothing else to do there there was the auction well there is the auction they've got a great auction and i know eric picked up a little treasure and i saw another treasure that i tried really hard to talk the guy into selling to me but i'll talk about that in a bit um i played board games i played uh, i ran a bunch of games i'm thinking of starting a little thing called the graveyard game academy and bring out games that haven't been played in decades yeah because we had a really good time playing naval war which is a game from 1979 you know, it's basically a card game. You know, if you don't have the right ammo, you can't shoot your gun and you're trying Sounds to... Sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those games are fun to play once or twice. Yes. It's not the kind of game you want to play regularly, but exactly. it is sort of fun. To kind of break them out once a year, maybe, and, yeah. and play them. Um, also did Plague and Pestilence, which went over, like, gangbusters. The people who were playing that were like, why hasn't this card game been restarted, kickstarted, yeah. and done up again? Um, also, uh, GM the Conan game by monolith that eric actually played in so yeah. i can swear that eric does play something other than D. yeah or a kerbal space program or Cor- <laughs> yeah right let's um, not get into video games i also brought out my big uh, memoir 44 game and jimmy mcguire a sometime grognard here on the show played that and guys he went nuts <laughs> he went on ebay and amazon and bought the shit out of that game <laughs> that doesn't surprise me <laughs> and he has you to blame and he also bought the conan game Really? I have an extra he was, copy. After you left the coding game because we played two games, he sat in and played it, and he's like, this game is amazing. And he went out and bought a base game. Huh. So, And then the big game that I played, uh, Formula Day, was the Indianapolis oh, yeah. uh, uh, Grand Prix version, and it was a lot of fun. The guy who runs that makes it run so well yeah. and so smooth. He has a really, he uh, prints the course out on a large vinyl map and then uses micro machines. So it's, mm-hmm. he's got this yeah. expanded board. It's huge. It's really spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of the Super Bowl, and I don't want to belabor this anymore because I play a lot of board games. Instead of the Super Bowl, we played games. We had a game day on Super Bowl. Again, game day. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. We played uh, Star Trek Catan. We played Carcassonne. We played uh, Codenames, uh, another game of Plague and Pestilence, and... We had a youngster who came over, and he was eight, and he brought two games that I think his parents thought were (laughs) kid-based, but they weren't. (laughs) They were more like PG-13, but we had a blast playing it. It was really hard to kind of tame it down for someone who was seven, eight years old. Yeah. 
We yeah. talked about that with the Grand Theft Auto Five, where I was like, oh my God, this game is definitely not appropriate for kids. Yeah, yeah. and I'm well on track to getting to 100 games by the end of the year. I'm already at 24. Well, <laughs> I'm not even really keeping track of my D&D games because I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it pretty oh, easily. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I am too, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of yeah. fun. What other game, board game, did you play? Oh, that's I, right. You I played the Firefly. Firefly. So I played Conan because I own two copies of it. One that I've like scavenged for the mm-hmm. miniatures. Um, the other one that's still in the shrink wrap. Um, so I figured I should owe, know how to play a game I own two copies of. <laughs> um, and then I also realized I might have a ship map in that Conan game. I never really looked at the maps, but you that would should. be, oh, we that would be that. handy for, for the D&D <laughs> well, game. Well, I know that for a fact you do. And yeah. it is nicely folded so that if you just need one ship, you don't have to fold the whole. Yeah, so I'm going to have to break that out. Um, and then I play Firefly because I see a lot of people playing Firefly mm-hmm. at Gen Con. Like, there are tons of people yes. playing that game. Yeah. Um, and it is a fun game. It's a very complex rule set. There's a lot of different aspects. You know, you can focus on this part or that part. And then they have different victory conditions. There's cards. So there's a lot going on in that game. And it does really give you the feel of, of the Firefly universe. So that was that was fun. I was going to play that, but I got sick after the Formula Day game. I hated it. I really felt weird leaving the convention early, but I got sick and you, I had to You hated out. that you felt bad, not that you hated the Formula D. I, exactly. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I love the Formula Day. I hated the fact that I was sick and leaving the convention yeah. early. And then yes. I played Adventures League. I ran the, uh, some Adventures League. I ran the Epic because I always need Epic Dungeon Masters, and I don't really have a good time playing the Epics, truthfully. Did you get to run the one that you designed? No, that's not till April. Oh, okay. That's... I actually had a pretty good time playing the Epic. Uh, part of it was that our table scored the highest of all yeah. the tables there. But since uh, we were averaging factions, we got drugged down by yeah. a lesser table. I but. told the uh, con organizer that epic, it's regression towards the mean. The single table actually usually wins. It's just because so you're averaging. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, we he, he scored us top while we got a perfect score. We we were laughing our butts off. We had such a good yeah, time yeah. because it was and, it and was really combat. About. They made it really combat light. It was a lot of yeah. like disrupt a wedding, yeah. you know, <laughs> get the police to bust a floating crap game. We were doing stuff like that. It was all it was really yeah. silly. We had a lot of weird players. Almost everybody was using some kind of crazy accent. It was uh, yeah. I had a fun. No, that is a, that is a fun yeah. adventure. It was fun to run That's it great. as well. Um, but, you know, on top of what I did previously, I realized, you know, we talked about maybe doing a podcast with how, you know, gaming, how much is too much. And that's probably going to be coming up. And I was thinking about that this morning because tonight I have Adventures League. Tomorrow night I have my bi-weekly group. Saturday I'm going up to LodgeCon. And Sunday we have our monthly group. <laughs> that's a lot of gaming. Yeah. A, yeah. And I'm thinking that might be too much. But we'll talk about it. Yeah, that's an upcoming podcast. topic that we want to talk about. And uh, we may actually put a little... Uh, word out on our Facebook page or something for a little bit of uh, maybe user input. And um, just going back to Winter War, I I did actually sit in on the auction because I'm starting to sort of say, hey, if I can get something that I've parted with in the past, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind having it. And I picked up the dungeon board game for like $15. I saw that. And when you brought it upstairs too, everyone was jealous. You know, I was there when he was saying, anybody want this for $15? I almost raised my hand and then I saw you raise yours. And I I looked it up on eBay. uh, It's about a $40 or $60 game thereabouts. But I'm going to take it up to Gary Con and get uh, Dave McGarry to sign it. To sign it, because he's up there awesome. every year. And, you know, I'll, I'll do that. We should play that sometime. I, I, it is I, a kn- fun I know of it, but I've never played it. Yeah, it's pretty. I'm signed up to play it at uh, I saw that, GaryCon. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, uh, Speaking of other auction gems that walked out of that auction at Winter War, somebody bought a complete copy 
of Hero Quest with three expansions for forty-five bucks. Oh, I offered him a hundred dollars. He would not take it. Yeah, I had somebody offered to buy the dungeon board game after I bought it. That was me. They didn't, <laughs> no, there was somebody else. They didn't make an offer. Uh, but no, he I, was like, "You should sell it." I was like, "No." Yeah, I offered a hundred dollars, and then he kept teasing me. Man, I can't believe I got it for forty-five dollars. <laughs> nice. Like, there, there are away. some. The the thing is, you have to be ready. You have yep. to know. And I didn't like that you couldn't look and see what was. They were like bringing it out the first time you saw it was when they brought it on a table. I think they would have got more money mm-hmm. if they would have had a room where you could walk through, even if it's just stacked up. And like, oh, yeah, they, they have stuff. a room, but it's more of they just stack it around for yeah, storage. But yeah, those. if you could view the lots, that would have definitely improved yeah. things. So if anybody from the Winter War, well, I know Dean, you know, yeah, Greg, it's 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 there are some suggestions that we could. Everybody has a suggestion for how to do a con maybe that's a topic of a conversation that we should have sometime but uh yeah well, know, um, our friend dan he organizes a local con for the second year coming up mage con up in muhammad yep. yeah um, that'll be so, good so. um yeah well, i was gonna throw out there too that uh yeah winter war this was the what 47th, I think, year that they've been running this. This is a long-time local convention. Um, It usually has a very small group of people, like one or two, that run it. Um, And for such a small group and for such a local con, they run it, I think, really well. And it runs pretty smooth for, you know, a local like it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know some people come from out of town. But. I also ran into an old acquaintance. I don't know if Dean, Kevin Walsh uh, yes, from Bloomington. Okay, yeah. he used to be heavy into BattleTech. Uh, knew him back in our SCA yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, there. He was there, and he's uh, big into. He was promoting this Honor Harrington like fan club. Gosh darn it! I wished I had seen. Um, I have the documentation, but really? they're um, they doing a fundraiser. Like yeah, I mean, he's he he might be listening. I gave him the podcast info, so Kevin. I'm know. sorry, I didn't get this chance to see you, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Darn it. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's the other nice thing about the local game convention is whether you're playing something or not, every time I turned around, I ran into somebody I knew. Yeah. And that's that's half the fun of that. And one of the things, if you folks come to uh, Winter War, if you happen to be in the area, you better sign up early because it fills up, bam, like yeah. within yeah. days. Yeah, I think I'm going to start m- running more at Winter War. Yeah, right. That's how I get to play more is because I get to run more. Yeah. So, all right. Well, folks, that is what we've been doing in terms of our gaming. And so that's our segment, Games People Play. All right. So now we get into the meat of our topic today. Before, can we talk about just briefly, there was one thing. Our last podcast was on alignments, and we got Mm -hmm. great uh, listener feedback from that. Um, Mm -hmm. Some really good comments. And one of the things that made me think of was that I neglected to mention Quag Keep by Andre Norton. Quag Keep? Quag. I only have vague memories okay, of that. Okay, so it's a quick read. It was an early, de- it might, I think it was probably the first, maybe some of the Gord Rogue. I'm not sure about the date, but it was really early. Uh, D&D book that they licensed her to write. And it's interesting for two reasons. One, it's uh, one of the early uh, players inhabit their characters. Um, so that that happens. Players um, inhabit the characters. Yeah. So it's but, the players who appear in the in, yeah. the in the world of Greyhawk. Another reason precursor I, I like of the D and D cartoon. Yeah. Um, or Joel Rosenberg, Guardians of Flame, this... or you know Thomas Covenant, you know, or John Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. About what year do you think this came out? Um, it would have been the early eighties. Early eighties. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but the other reason is because it focuses on law and chaos. It's which. You know, again, early D&D, they, we focus so much on good and evil now when we game. 
the, the distinction between law and chaos usually relates to good and evil, but this book doesn't even really talk about good and evil. It's all about law and chaos, which is an interesting take on on the mindset of early D&D. They were probably big Elric fans. Now, is this a book or is this an It's a novel. It's, it's a, a fantasy no- novel. I'm going to have to it's, pick that up. It sounds It's about like 180 pages, maybe. It's, it's, a, it's, it's almost like juvenile fiction. It's a real quick read. You can, can polish it off of one day. <laughs> We'll make sure that we try to find some way to link that in our uh, podcast. All right. So on to our new topic. Okay. Uh, Yes. Today's topic, we're going to be touching on another class in the D&D rule set. And this one is my favorite, but we are going to give the dice over to Greg to run this session because we're talking about none other than the Ranger. Yay. <laughs> I love the Ranger. Love the Ranger. I do too. I did not realize this was your favorite character class. It is. Mm-hmm. I I'm have, not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I The Ranger kind of embodies me more than anybody else. Wait a minute. Like when that, we did, when we were picking alignments, you want to be lawful good. You can't be at least an AD. You right. can't be lawful Remember, good. I told you, I said I wanted to be chaotic good, but I probably am lawful wow. good. I think he just wants to be whatever we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be part of the group. You should be a politician. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. Yeah, I I gravitate towards the arranger just mostly because when we when Eric sucked me into playing uh, D and D, well, that's about four and a half years ago. Um, at the dawn of fifth edition. At the dawn of fifth edition, when he said, "Hey, we should play this," and that was the character I sat down and made up. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people uh, gravitate people who do gravitate towards the ranger pick that because they have a firm view of who that should be in mind. And that view is Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there is any other character class in D&D that is so focused and derived from a single source. Which is, <laughs> which is funny because, I, although not 100%, you know, I always go back to the guy saying, oh, it wasn't about Lord of the Rings. Dungeons and Dragons wasn't about yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It, it sort of was a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. some George Lucas Maybe not initially, denial. but there's a lot of crossover. And because where else did we see Rangers? Before Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, now apparently in some of the uh, the later D and D books, maybe as a result of the Aragorning of the character class, um, they claim that uh, some of the inspiration for the Ranger was Robin Hood or Jack the Giant Killer, um, the Huntress Diana, or the Greek hero Orion. But right. I, I think yeah. that's I, mean, I think that's retconning. essentially. Yeah. I mean, and, you're talking about like an archer, woodsman. Yes, and see... Beastmaster kind of person. Yeah. For me, it also, like I said earlier, encompasses a lot of what makes up me. I love archery. I have been doing archery since I was a kid, and I've been hunting since I was a kid, so it kind of fit in very well for me to pick that class in a role-playing game. Yeah, and it is it is a fun class, uh, but it's also problematic. Yeah, um, and what makes you say that it's problematic? So every other class, because he's have, problematic, and he throws well, <laughs> a lot of shade at me about this too. So, so you have fighters; they're really good at fighting. You mm-hmm. have wizards; they're really good at casting spells. You have clerics; they're really good at healing. Mm-hmm. You have rogues or thieves; they're really good at sneaking. Rangers are okay at all those things. They can heal. They can cast arcane spells. Yeah, they can sneak. They can fight. But they don't excel at any one class. So you either get ranger players who are going, wah, 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 my class can't do this very well. <laughs> or you get other classes going, well, why am I even a rogue if the ranger can sneak just as well as me? Mm-hmm. There's no happy medium there. It's a Swiss Army character. Yeah. And, and isn't that also kind of what the bard is? 
But the now. bar does, and I don't want to now. take away from this topic. But I mean, we we did the Bard podcast. Yeah. The Bard originally had to level as a fighter, had to level as a rogue. Yeah, right. So they actually yeah. like leveled, and they had really high prerequisites. So it was a little different. But even with that, the, yeah, the Bard is a jack of all trades. But I don't ever see Bard players complaining that you know they're not as effective in combat as fighters. I see Ranger players doing that. I don't complain about me being not effective in well, combat. Just, just I might I might complain about how much damage my weapon does, but uh, you know, getting to run half a dozen arrows through something. Yes, I always go with the Archer Rangers. So um, pew pew pew. Yeah, <laughs> uh, archers are always cool. But so yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's why it's problematic. It doesn't have yeah. a niche. It sort of overlaps a lot of niches. Yeah. It's, and, and at the time, it's, it was, it's a good thing for if you're not sure what you want to be. If you're a little, you know, I'm not sure what kind of class I want to play. Yeah, be a ranger. Yeah. You can be several and, classes. And if we're looking at like archetypes, you know, a la, like the, the Campbell archetypes, you know, the guardian, the protector. Yeah. Rangers don't really have one of those again. Mm -hmm. Like they just they don't fit easily <laughs> into any anybody's sort of. Except for Aragorn. I want to be Aragorn. Yeah. Right. And, and, and honestly, right. especially since the movies came out, that's a really strong uh, appeal for everybody. What about that everybody. movie, The Beastmaster? Remember that one? I, love I certainly love Beastmaster. Beastmaster. Yeah. Mark Singer, right? Yep, Mark Singer. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I, he was probably a ranger, right? I mean, yeah, I definitely. Yeah. I am Dar. Yeah. No, I, uh, <laughs> I was a big fan of that movie. Saw It, it was a staple of HBO in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't go two months without that thing popping up. So I've seen it dozens and dozens of times loved it, it well, let's, ta movie. let's talk about the history of the it range. um okay. yeah now one of the things uh, certainly um no ranger in original D because &D, how many classes were there in original D, &D? Uh, four i think right yeah. i'd have to yeah i know it wasn't just a magic fighter magic user and uh and um i'd have to i never played odd i started yeah. with ad and i have the books um but i don't crack them open very often because they're under glass actually yeah. i'm hanging in the game literally room. yeah yeah <laughs> um now, but it was introduced in the strategic review. They, they, you know, added a lot of stuff as they were going on. So they yeah, start. They stuck the stuck. ranger in because there was a demand for it. People yeah. were Lord of the Rings fans back in the Zine days. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when we get around to actually uh, publishing that AD and D book, it uh, becomes a subclass of fighter. Yeah, which fighter ranger goes, paladin kind of goes it's towards still. your, uh, you know, not a niche. Well, it had a niche back then. It was a subclass. Um, it uh, because there were five subclasses of fighters at the time. I don't um, see. We always I, I should put a disclaimer out there when we talk about AD and D. We tend to ignore Unearthed Arcana. Um, we always talk about early AD and D. So mm -hmm. you know, fighters in AD and D was Fighter Ranger Paladin. Right, that was it. Yeah, Fighter Ranger Paladin, Thief Assassin. Uh, cleric Druid. Magic User magic Illusionist. Illusionist. I know I'm missing something. And Multiclass Bard. Yes. You know, I always think of the character <laughs> sheets. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what the five were. I'd have to go back and look because we always ignore the Unearthed Arcana. There were Barbarians they added, and I don't know what else. But, yeah. but you know, as a fighter subclass, they could use any weapon. They could wear any armor. Um, they did gain uh, extra attacks at a slower rate than the other fighter characters. Uh, they only got a D8 on their hit dice instead of a D10, so they were already already getting penalized but, for, for being cool. 
but they got a second hit die, and I think I do recall that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk, uh, they, they again, did. AD&D quirky rules. Let's give them fewer hit points, but let's give them an extra hit die so they actually start with more hit points. Right. Yeah, because yeah, because technically, you know, statistically, you're going to end up with more. So yeah, that's uh, nice. Another uh, thing, um, they they did give them some tracking abilities, which were a percentage. Uh, a role. lot of AD&D yeah. stuff was but, percentage. I loved yeah. that surprise roll. That surprise roll was far better than anybody else's, except for a thief. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and, and they couldn't the, be surprised as the well. By the book initiative, surprise was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't get any spells until level eight, which uh, and they were druid spells. They didn't certainly didn't have their own spell list, and um, then they could um, pull some magic user spells later. Um, they had some bonuses when fighting uh, giants and humanoids. You know, think any humanoid creature like an orc or yeah. something like that, and they got extra damage. And that's the origin of the uh, favorite, favorite enemy. enemy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, at higher levels, they actually got followers, and I find that interesting too. The whole uh, and, early D&D and ranger followers enforced wacky, follower. and I was about to point out that was the goal for me. That was the <laughs> the, the carrot at the end of the stick. Yeah, for me was to oh my gosh, you mean I could like you know have a follower that's a Pegasus, a satyr, a yeah. satyr. That yeah. that was like yeah. wow. Fighters got men at arms, or maybe other fighters. <laughs> yeah. Rangers got like they got this table that was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was always exciting. Yeah, and I did see that. Stages. Was that something that was generated randomly? Which yeah. Are, yeah, yeah, which could be fun, or you could get something you know dorky. But uh, yeah, most of the time it sounds like you got something. Although pretty darn you know, cool. AD and D was heavily house ruled, so a lot of times a DM would just you know pick one and that they right. thought was cool because yeah. it was fun mm-hmm. yeah, whatever they wanted to forward their plot yeah um you did have to be a good alignment and yeah. also in that uh, original D vein you had to be a human or a half elf and you could uh, only multi-class if you were a half elf and that was uh, the ranger cleric yeah so, love that not, racial limitation yeah in yeah. first edition it's yeah. like limitations in general <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was still a yeah, yep. based on the uh, board games, and board games got a lot of rules. And mm-hmm. this is the the new millennium, and it's all things to all people. Yes. Um, now Here's your ribbon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do whatever you want to with it. All right. Um, now, when we get to second edition, uh, they bumped up the hit dice situation, uh, but uh, they have some uh, some of the, your uh, armor abilities, some of your special abilities. Uh, didn't work so well if you wore the the heavy armor, mm-hmm. so they kind of seemed like they encouraged you to use a lighter armor, especially with uh, your two-weapon fighting and your, your yeah, thief so, abilities. So this is where we saw the big split that we still have. If you're a ranger, you're either an archer or you're a two-weapon yes. fighter. Yeah. yeah, and that was a tough thing to kind of deal with because I wanted to be the archer-type ranger, but you can't wade into combat with that light, you know, that light armor. Yeah. Yeah, well, and... It'd be nice to have those extra, the two-weapon fighting abilities, so you could switch between ranged and not ranged, mm-hmm. and you got you got to commit to one. Um, they did give you, uh, you know, kept your tracking abilities. You got some uh, animal empathy, because we had to keep that uh, Beastmaster thing going on in the background. And uh, the move silently high in shadow, so they gave you some thief abilities, but not like yeah. disarm traps and open locks. They yeah. gave you the just sneaky the, stuff. The sneaky stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you want you want to, and that still left your thief with his specialized yeah. abilities, but uh, you know allowed your uh, ranger to be able to sneak so up. So you could people. be more like Aragorn. Yeah. So, yeah, they should add the tragic elfin love uh, sub. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, was that there. present in? <laughs> I mean, well, I guess they did. I, yeah, I, well, I don't. I'm just what? I'm just the, the tragic elven love. 
But they, there was something that was in the movies that wasn't in the books, wasn't there? When they went and visited uh, the G-Elf and there was some sort of sexual tension there. Was that the G elf? The one is he talking the Hobbit? I think you're thinking about the Hobbit. Maybe it's yeah. the Hobbit. Yeah, it's the Hobbit. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, the female elf character in the Hobbit yeah. was uh, a fabrication, but yeah, uh, still yeah. a very cool character. Yes. Um, yeah, they get kept their tracking abilities, the animal empathy, like I said. Um, they've started changing the um, the damage bonus against the giants and monsters. Uh, you know, so it didn't have to be quite as specific. Um, they could pick their, their yeah, yeah. And Again, this, it's sort of interesting. We're see we're actually evolving. seeing the evolving of the ranger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spell abilities are. Uh, changed again a little bit uh, limited to first and third level there with pre-spells and i guess the plant and animal spheres yeah which and, you know I'm if you try to keep track of ranger stuff. spell casting you'll get whiplash between the additions <laughs> i mean it went yeah back that is very forth. true uh, that's that's what i discovered looking at this is, but, I mean, there's actually a, when we get to third edition i'll bring up an interesting tidbit yeah i didn't realize that priest spells had spheres is that a mm-hmm. is that a two-e yeah. thing yeah okay well and uh, probably yeah and you get some more interesting animals uh, when you get your uh, your animal companion there. They threw in some mythical creatures. Uh, I mean, who was who doesn't want to have a a, a follower who is yeah. a tree? Yeah. But you could also hard to bring a tree into the dungeon. Yeah, very. Yeah, <laughs> and your head. And you could also have classed characters at that point too. You know, you could have regular followers like everybody yeah. else. But you know, who wants those when you can you know yeah. have a tree in? Uh, now we get to three E, where uh, the world becomes a better place. Uh, this you is can, where I created a ranger that has stuck with me through 3E, 3.5, that one time in 4E, and all the way through 5E. Yeah. You still playing that one from time to time? Yes, I do. Um, this is when we change it to favored enemy, mm-hmm. which is a nice thing for the ranger. And uh, you get additional ones later on. Uh, you also get it a lot earlier. And the ranger finally graduates to its own spell list instead of stealing spells from other character classes. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of nice. Um, and you get multiple followers. And at an earlier level, you can acquire that uh, animal companion. That and that, again, wants. was another carrot for me. I don't know what it is about that. I think that whole ideal of having that that companion that is an animal that is your trusted ally at all times. I mean... Until the DM kills it. Right. <laughs> that was the big thing. It's like, hmm, do I take my pet wolf with me or not? No, it is cool, and it gives you a lot of role-play opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and it just... Yeah, it's, again, it's a, as a in a role-playing situation, that's makes you stand out because you've got this cool thing that follows you around. And... Um, and now we're evolving ourselves into the uh, new so, millennium. Race so, and alignment restrictions yeah. go away. Okay. How long until we're going to look back at GURPS and say that's how it should have been done? Because it seems like we just <laughs> every so. edition we get rid of any limitations on anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. And eventually we're just going to go to a, a skill-based system and yeah. do whatever you want. We're going to call it GURPS. Uh, hopefully we'll all be long gone. I had a really hard time with that alignment restriction. And Harkening back to our last podcast, I don't play alignment that much, but when it came to the ranger, I think I did it more so than any other character that I ran. Does that have to do with the fact that, like, Aragorn is the model (laughs) ranger and he is good? I mean, no, that's totally true. Yeah. It was a tough thing. I was like, wait a second, you mean I don't have to be of good alignment, you know, or chaotic good or whatever? I was like, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a bad thing. 
No, yeah. it's not a bad thing. I just had a hard time accepting it. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't feel strongly either way. Um, one thing about third edition and ranger spells, though. So third edition was, um, I talk about wand spam, right? You could yeah. make wands. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, so Cure Light Wounds wands. Mm-hmm. Cure Light Wounds was divine, and you had to be a divine caster to use a divine wand. Rangers were arcane casters. And they had Cure Light Wounds on their spell list. So when a ranger made a Cure Light Wounds wand, it was an arcane wand. And any arcane caster could then cast Cure Light Wounds off of it. Big big old loophole that mm-hmm. was exploited by many of the groups I, I played with. I, Everybody had Cure Light uh, yeah. Wounds wand. If you could cast a spell, yeah. you could use Cure Light Wounds. I remember playing with a guy. Actually, it was a gal. She had like this holster of wands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a quiver. Yeah. yeah. Like, like a bandolier. Well, like, you want the magic oh, wait, item that I've you... I've got a wand for that. There's a magic Damn. item that you would like state what item you want. It was like a bag of holding. I forget which one it was. And it would appear in your hand. That's the one you needed. Wow. Because, yeah. That's, you know, then you're like, oh, I want this wand. Yeah. That's a hell of a gimmick. Yeah. And then we get to 4E. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we're just going to come out and admit yes. it that we're not going to cover 4E because none of us have enough experience. And truthfully, none of us are fans of 4E. I'm sure right. there's people out there who liked 4E, who love it, and we don't belabor that. You know, but you're not going to get anything here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just, you know, we would be talking out our butts if we tried to talk about 4E. So, so right here and now, we are going to close the door on any discussion of yeah. 4E stuff yeah. unless it's really We important. will acknowledge that it existed, Listen. but not much beyond that. <laughs> hey, 5E. Yeah. Hey, hey I've heard of 5E. <laughs> we're there. Yeah. Uh, the one we're all happy with. Um, got all kinds of good stuff with your Ranger now. Um, got your uh, D10 hit points, mm-hmm. which everybody loves that. Um, the armor proficiency. Having, yeah. You know, the light, medium, and the shield that doesn't hamper your deck skills. That was, that was a, a sell for me. I like that they excluded heavy. Yeah. Because it gives no. the character class a certain feel. Like, mm-hmm. you don't wear heavy armor as a ranger. That makes sense. That's That fits with my conception of a ranger. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciated that, too. And since with a ranger, you're going to want your uh, dex to be your highest stat. Right. Uh, hands down, you know, doesn't matter what uh, path you, you take You could theoretically go to weapon fighter with non-finesse weapons. Right? I mean, you could go that route, which case you'd be a strength ranger. You You don't see it very often, but you could do it. That would be weird. Um, You do get all your weapons proficiencies. Uh, You don't get any tool proficiencies, but that's okay because that's what your background is for. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh Yeah. And uh, if you're smart, you get a background where your tool proficiency is fletching. Ah, yes. (laughs) Greg, you and I think a lot alike on that. (laughs) That is is my tool proficiency is fletching. Or a bowyer. Now, I I found it interesting that strength was the other proficiency. You know what? They always, most classes try to give uh, for saving throws you're talking about. Yeah, for the safe throws. You know, strength and dex. Most classes, they try to give one good saving throw and one... Meh. Meh. So <laughs> there's almost nothing that does strength saves, mm-hmm. truthfully. I mean, there's strength checks. Yes. Now, yeah. dex is probably the most popular save, followed by wisdom. There's almost no classes to give dex and wisdom. I don't know if there's any that give dex and wisdom. You can end up getting it through feats or or some such thing. but yeah. um, And that would be optimum. Yeah. Especially I mean, if you're a ranger. In my because, mind, yeah. dex and wisdom. It, the rest of them you're not making very often. Yeah. And usually you end up pumping up that wisdom anyway when you're a ranger because... You need that for your spell casting. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, you get some decent skills. Um, I like. I can't imagine there is not a ranger who the first two proficiencies they pick are stealth and perception. See it, shoot it. See it, sneak up on it, shoot it in the head. Perception right. is a problem yep. in my uh oh, another so. problem. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we we have that podcast. Tell we us of your problems on fifth edition. So, perception—it's not clear where the dividing line is between perception and investigation. That's um, fair. Most DMs know, but it's not consistent across DMs. I've played a lot of tables where DMs never use investigation and always use perception for everything. In which case, why would you not take perception? And I've also seen conversely. DMs almost never use perception and only use investigation. So it's more often the case that it's worthwhile to dump everything you can into perception. Um, and yeah, I usually do. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's in old D&D, <laughs> if you wanted to find the trap on the floor, you had to say, I'm looking for a trap on the floor. Yes. In fifth edition, I'm looking for traps. Make a perception roll. Mm-hmm. You know, or uh, investigation, depending on the on the DM. I don't less and less of a fan of that style of play. Anyway, let's continue. So, okay. Um, as has evolved up through uh, the list, uh, one of the first things that you get to pick out is your favored enemy. So Greg, what do you normally pick? Uh, well, I only have the one ranger. Mm-hmm. So I diversify. Uh, I picked the undead. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's part of my character background, my uh, extensive and lengthy character background. Yeah. And uh, that, that totally fit in. I think that that's kind of important. I often pick monstrosities really? because of that whole kind of along the same line. You know, they're an abhorrence to nature and things like that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I made a ranger for this one mm-hmm. and I have I picked uh, humanoids, which lets you pick two subclasses of humanoids. Right. Yeah. What did you take? Uh, well, I took humans because you <laughs> run into a lot of humans. <laughs> that's right. That's I fair. mean, you fight humans a lot. Um, and then I picked gnomes. Because gnomes. Like, just because. You yeah. don't run into them very often, but, but when, when you, you do, you do. want to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just seemed Aww. appropriate. You make sure you're going to smack their ass big time. Yeah, don't you? or their gnomes. Or gnomes. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that favorite enemy, uh, it's nice. And especially in some of the rebuilds on the Ranger, it gets. Yeah, but sometimes it's it, nice. it does very little. You can track them better. I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice if you get a, a actual boost to like damage or yeah, a hit it, or not, you know, combat yeah. boost. Um, which does happen in some of the rebuilds um you also get your natural explorer right off the get-go which is uh you know nice for scooting across the uh that can be plane. huge and being able to forage while moving at full speed mm-hmm. and and some of them you can drink drag your some of them you can drag your party along with you yeah. which is nice yeah and uh, not be hampered and yeah. yeah um the the one time it was most important for me to use my natural explorer as i recall i had what Three or four levels of exhaustion, and it was completely you know, useless. And here's wow. my pr- here's an issue I have with <laughs> that a is day. a lot of adventures, especially like the pre-published stuff, they don't anticipate that Ranger's going to have natural explorer. So they're like, well, the soonest the party is going to make this trip is seven days, and you're like, no, I'm, it's my favorite terrain. I can make it in three and a half. What do you mean they don't anticipate? Like they they. Adventures a lot of times have timing involved, like you right. have to get from here to here, and it's going to take a week. So the bad guy has a week to prepare. And then the party's like, no, that's my favorite train. I'm going to be there in three and a half days. Like, everybody's going to be there in three and a half days. And then, uh, like, it totally jacks everything up, and it's almost you essentially have now railroaded the party. You're like, well, I'm not going to let you use that. I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm going to, mm, you know. Okay, I get you. I, I, so 
that that favorite train is good with a DM that takes it into account, but I've I've often run into problems with pre-published adventures mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, it totally jacked up the whole timeline. Uh, but anyway, well, that could happen. Um, and that second level, very important to your future as a ranger, you got to pick a fighting style. Um, I would would you guys agree that the vast vast majority of people either pick archery or two-weapon fighting. Yes, I would say so. Um, yeah. There are, and I had totally forgotten about this. I can't There are two others. anybody who did defense. There is defense and dueling. Yeah, yeah actually, um, the problem with dueling is it has to be a single-handed me- melee weapon. Well, if you're a ranger, you're probably using two weapons. So you can't yeah. use dueling. Defense is handy if you multi-class. Uh, plus one to your AC. Uh which yeah, that's a nice thing, but as a base, as a long term basis base. for your character, right. it does strike me as kind of lame. Yeah, I had totally, completely forgotten about those two, as though they were not important at all. Probably an indication that most people go archery or two weapon. Unless you're multi class, we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, multi classing. Uh, <laughs> um, now, as a ranger too, once you hit uh, second level, you do get some spells, and. Um, I don't know. Is that is that unique for a, 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 a what would be considered a fighting class? Yeah, originally? I mean, well, it's level, not unique for spells? rangers. Rangers have yeah. always got those spells. That's spells. earlier than they've got yes. them in a lot of editions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's super early. Um, but, and the uh, other thing about ranger spells in five e, a lot of bonus action spells, more than mm-hmm. any other class. Yeah, which sort of fits. Yeah, because the assumption is you're going to cat, you're going to toss out some kind of bonus action spell, and then shoot an arrow. So that's that's a good thing. It's not uh, I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, and just so people, if you're not familiar, the archery style gives you a plus two to hit. Um, which at second level Yeah, you that's know, pretty big. It's pretty big. I mean that plus two to hit's a, a huge bonus. And uh yeah, when you do and when you do the two weapon fighting, you get um add your ability, ability modifier, modifier to the second. damage on the second attack, which is nice. It's and, hard to get uh, damage bonuses in, in five E. Yeah. So. And you're probably going to be a plus, at least plus three. So, again, second level, another plus three to your damage. Yeah. It's pretty good. As opposed to dueling, which adds plus two to a single weapon. You're better off taking two weapon fighting, which is probably why we don't see a lot of dueling. Yeah. And, you know, it's just... And, it, and dueling can only be a weird. one-handed weapon, so you can't do it with, like, a great sword or anything. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just found dueling weird as a choice. It's, it's a role play. Yeah. I mean, if you want to play, like, a swashbuckler-type ranger... Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, maybe. Okay, but uh, as we move <laughs> along, once you get to third level, that's when things get fun. That's when you have to pick an archetype. Yeah. And uh, there are many archetypes. Yes, not, there are. Not, not at a... Uh, um, not as many as some other classes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what was the one that had, like, uh, was it the Warlock that had... Yeah, that's what I was so trying to So many archetypes? Wow. Yeah, the Warlock, I think, just we had a lot of stuff. A half yeah. an hour wading through all the archetypes. Of and wizards region. have their wizard schools. I mean, they got, we went through 13 or something. So Yeah, it's, it's pretty extensive. Ranger, but, uh, yeah, Beastmaster. For a, for a fighter. Bloomstalker, yeah. Horizon Walker, Hunter, and Monster Hunter Slayer. Slayer. Those yeah. are the officials. <clears throat> yeah, the player handbook. You, you start out with Hunter and Beastmaster. Those are the classics. Um, Aragorn or Dar. <laughs> those are your uh, those are your classes. Yes. Um yes. the Xanathar ones are very interesting, uh, I found. Um but that's something you get to pick at uh third level, and it's pretty cool. At uh fourth level, they throw out those uh ability level scores. You do get your primeval awareness also at third level. I don't 
think that, that was, comes up. That was awareness ability. Ever. Lame. <laughs> I think I've used it once and I'm what? what I'm, I'm what? 16th level now? And I think I've used it like once or twice. The, yeah, the, the problem with most of those awareness and I'd have to look to see the actual. Hold on. Let me read the actual. I'm going to read it right here. I've got it. What, is oh, this yeah. for the primeval awareness? Is that yeah. what you're asking? So beginning at third level, you can mm-hmm. use your action and expend one ranger spell slot to focus your awareness on the region around you. For one minute per level of the spell slot you expend, you can sense whether the following types of creatures are present within one mile of you or within up to six miles if you are in your favored terrain. Now, essentially what you're doing is you're just sitting there sniffing the air, yeah, wondering but, if anybody's but here's around. here's my problem. Okay, so unlike like the paladins detect, which you have to ha- they have to be in line of sight and it's 60 feet. So you're like, hey, see that big thing with rotting flesh falling off it? It's an undead. <laughs> like, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Um, the ranger's great. It doesn't have to be line of sight and it goes a mile or six miles in favor, but it doesn't have what direction. So what the hell are you supposed to do? Get two rangers and triangulate? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it says right here, this feature does not reveal the creature's location or number. You just can smell them in the air is essentially what it is. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to revise that. I don't know if I've ever used that. I thought I had used it once, but I may have never used that in four and a half years of playing the same character. It's just I mean, I would rather it only lasted one round and it gave you the direction, whether they're there and the direction. Yeah, that that makes much more sense. Stumble through the woods, do whatever you want. But really, what they call homebrew. Yeah, there's a dragon (laughs) within six miles. Congratulations. Now what? Like, uh, what's what's the uh, surface area or the the area of a six mile radius sphere you know it's big yeah and no one's got to be searching that whole thing for the thing that you sniffed out that's somewhere within six miles it's it's just kind of useless um now fourth level is fun because that's your ability score improvement and everybody likes a good ability score Mm -hmm. improvement or feet but instead of that yep you can take a feat, and I certainly did, and I can imagine that's probably pretty stinking popular that your archer ranger grabs that sharpshooter feature. One of the three overpowered feats in 5th edition. Yeah, it's so awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, that, that, was, that was almost like a game changer for me. Uh, when we hit 4th level, that's when I felt like I was useful, when I was nailing Anything I could see. That's when you went from pew to pew, pew, pew. You got it. Um, And that's... um, Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, (laughs) Sharpshooter lets you ignore cover modifiers. Yeah. So everything is easily hit. um, And it lets you take a minus five tier to hit roll and add a plus 10 to your damage roll. Why does he sound like he doesn't like it? Because it's really cool when it works. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and trust me, when we get to my ranger that I built for this, you'll see it because, you know, I'm a oh, number Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I've used that quite a bit. And uh, it's, you know, it, ability, you know, you get other ability score improvements and it's nice to have ability score improvements, but there's nothing more useful if you're an archer than getting that stinking um, uh, sharpshooter feature. Get to fifth level after you've just grabbed your sharpshooter feet, you get the extra attack. And that's uh, that's so very sweet. Mm-hmm. But that is the only extra attack that Rangers get. They, they yeah. max out at one extra attack. Yeah, that's which is a little shame. depressing because fighters they get three extra attacks at twentieth level, so they're attacking four times every time. That's, they a, that's the a long way though. That's a long way to get to that. It is. Um, now, during all of this, I think that you get a pretty nice, slow, even progression of additional spells off of the Ranger spell list. 
Um, a lot of them are very arrow attack centric. Yeah, you know what I see <laughs> is Hunter's Mark. An extra D6 damage. You, you mark a creature. You know, you can move oh, it as right. a bonus yeah, action. I, yeah. I, I, would, I would venture to say that there is probably not a single um, ranger created that doesn't pick that as one of their first level yeah. or first spells. They also get Cure Wounds. And again, we talked about ranger as a sort of uh, jack of all trades. Yeah. It's nice to have a ranger healer. If the healer goes down, the ranger can bring him up. Yep. You know, I yep. mean, no, that's a bonus. And if you're playing a ranger and you didn't take cure wounds, shame on you. Yep. Because, you know, it would be nice if they got healing word. That'd be even better because then they could do it as a bonus action from a distance and not, not surrender their, their action. But uh, yeah. cure wounds, even out of combat, it's handy to have that, that yep. extra yep. healing. Most definitely. Uh, once we move along here, you get some uh, favorite enemy and natural explorer improvements, uh, you know, extra favorite enemies, extra environments, uh, you know, does come in handy from time to time. Uh, then there are some ranger archetype features that they start uh, piling on here, which is nice. What's, um, what's the most absurd favorite terrain you could possibly pick as a ranger? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's magma. Yeah. I'm really good at magma. Uh, underwater, you could, I guess you could do underwater as a human, you know, yeah. 30 seconds mm-hmm. at a time. If you have a cloak of the manta ray, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, but you start getting a whole bunch of uh, fun things there. 12th level, you get some more ability score improvements, which is nice. Um, I'm just going to throw out some of the archetype things at the end instead, yeah. of, instead yeah. of beating them to death uh, you know, as we go along. Um, there's more favorite enemy improvements as you go at 14th level. Uh, another ability score at 16th. It, it, it's almost, you get a nice even yeah, range here. you get here. the normal ability score every four levels. Yeah, you get your ability every four levels. They tend to throw in an archetype feature, you know, right before that. Yeah. Truthfully, the ranger leveling stuff is a little underwhelming. After the first three, or even the first, well, third, you get your third, your archetype at three. The rest yeah. of them... Uh, it's it's okay, not another like another favorite not, terrain, another yeah. favorite enemy. The favorite enemy is not that great for fifth edition. The way it's written in the book, yeah, um, it's it's not like Christmas when you level up like some of the uh, mm-hmm. feats are. It's kind of more like Valentine's Day. Yeah. So. so so favorite enemy, you can hold on. Let me find it. And you well, can choose a class of enemies, obviously. Yeah, that's, and that's the important thing is picking out the class. Advantage on survival, survival wisdom survival to track them, as well as intelligence checks to recall information, and you get a language from them. And really, of those things, the only one that tends to come up is the language. Um, well, I guess tracking could be handy, but it's they, the, old system, the old ranger, you had a combat bonus, which was nice. Yeah. Now, I know in that... Uh, that talk, that seminar, I attended one of the press conventions. They were talking about swapping stuff out, and there's been they had a revised ranger in Unearthed Arcana where they messed with it a little bit. Um, they they're still sort of tweaking this class uh, to try to make everybody happy, which I don't think is ever going to happen. But um, the favorite enemy in Fifth Edition, well, sort of meh. In the player's handbook, rules is written. You don't get the damage bonus. In the Unearthed Arcana versions, you do get the damage bonus. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I actually run mine. I, as soon as that Unearthed Arcana came out, I 
rejigged my uh, ranger for that, and you get a plus two damage uh, on weapon attacks against a creature that's your favorite enemy. Yeah, and this is in the home game. Yeah. I'm pretty lax with, with what we yeah. allow. Yeah, certainly wouldn't work uh, in a uh, Adventures League yeah. situation. So, you know, less less interesting in that. Um, and you, you get extra favorite enemies, um, whether... It's nice to have, but yeah, since I'm so accustomed to playing the Unearthed Arcana version, which is nice. Yeah, it um, is a much stronger version. Yeah, it's, much. it's a little bit more of a flashback. Um, some of your archetype things that you get, uh, which are cool, is uh, Landstride. So you can uh, pass through uh, non-magical plants and things without being slowed. So it gets rid of a lot of difficult terrain, Yeah, uh, which is super handy uh, from time to time. Um, hide in plain sight, which is not as cool. I don't think it's. You you would think that by tenth level you'd have figured out how to create camouflage for yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, hiding in fifth edition. I just saw an, yet another discussion where somebody <laughs> talks about being able to a rogue in this case being able to hide and attack, and somebody immediately goes, "That's can't do that." The monster knows they're behind that stack of crates. So they don't get their bonus. Yes, they do, people. Let's put this to an end right away. It's not that the monster doesn't know where the hell you are. It's that you could pop out on the lower right, the top right, the lower left. If a character is concealed from view, they are hidden. That's mm-hmm. that's the rule. And when they pop out, they get to attack with advantage. Now, granted, the monster does not forget that they're there. That's not it's it's the difference between your interpretation of what hiding means and what the rule interpretation of what hiding means. Yeah. I can yeah. put that into real world sense. When I play paintball, I know that I'm just gonna use Eric, is hiding behind that barrel. But I don't know where he's coming from in terms of you attacking me. Is that what you're getting yeah. at? Yeah. And not to mention yeah. you're in combat. Other people are also trying to hit you. Yes, exactly. So it's not like I'm just, you know, totally focusing focused on, on that barrel. Yeah. If that was the case, she has a DM, I might be, okay, guess what? You know what? Right. But, but no, even I mean, then, yeah. it's, you know. Uh, in, in, in real life, if you are playing paintball against me and you're hiding behind that barrel, but then the rest of your team is out and around on my right flank, I haven't forgotten that you're there. I'm just aware that I can't see you. Yep. And I'm more worried about the other stuff going on. Yeah. So, so, but the whole plain and uh, hide in plain sight at tenth level, you can spend one minute creating camouflage for yourself. I agree. I agree, Greg. It's kind of uh, yeah. I've, I've, I call uh, that I call that the um, yeah. predator hiding. Yeah. No, no, that's exactly what I was thinking covers of. Covers in mud. mud. And yeah, you have to have and you can't move. You mud. can't do anything. You have to remain motionless. So you know, I disengage is so much easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't they do that in the uh, uh, Hunger Games movie? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's except except that didn't take one minute. I mean, he was sitting there meticulously literally painting stuff. The way it re- and he was written, a baker. It yeah. is the Schwarzenegger predator. Once you're, it says you can um, camouflage yourself using you know if you have access to fresh mud, dirt, plant soot, or other naturally occurring materials. Once you're camouflaged in this way, you can try to hide by pressing yourself up against a solid <laughs> surface, such as a tree or wall that is at least as tall and wide as you are. That is exactly what Schwarzenegger does. In predator. Yes, he does. I know, yeah. but. Uh, just on a practical level, you're in a dungeon. Yeah, how often is that going to happen? There's maybe some debris laying around. You want to use your hide in plain sight. 
how in the world do you explain, you know, I picked up some dust on the floor and smeared it on me and splatted myself up <laughs> you against the cobblestone wall. You dazzle yourself with rubble. <laughs> yeah, I, it just, it's, it's just kind of dumb, you know. Um, and not yeah. to mention, how often do you have a minute? And it would be really, better yeah. if you could do it with your party. If, like, you could do that to other people. Well, yeah, that's because another that's thing. Because that's great. Hey, it's look. lie there's, in wait. Exactly. There, there's five people, like, standing in the middle of the hallway. Where'd the ranger go? A, a minute later, at Romeo, where did she go? I don't see her. Oh, she's on the wall there, right there. No, that's just, it's just kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, admit, you know, I love my ranger, but we got some dumb skills here. Uh, yeah, at 14th level, you get Vanish, which is Hide Plus. <laughs> which is not not great. Um, yeah, well, you, you can use your hide, hide action, action. Hide as a bonus hide. action, yeah, uh, and you can't be tracked by you know non magical means. So yeah, it's it's better, and you're gonna hide anyway. Um, feral senses is kind of cool though. Uh, you get that at 18th level, and that is um, basically if you can't see something, uh, you don't get a disadvantage on the attack for that. And you are aware of the location of any invisible creature within 30 feet of you, provided that the creature isn't hidden from you and you aren't blinded or deafened. So, yeah. A lot of these are like... Can't be snuck When up. I read these abilities, I have like cinematic scenes running in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. I can see these... These things, you know, the blind, you know, the ranger and the, the creature's mm-hmm. invisible, but it doesn't affect the ranger because he's got that awareness. You yeah, know, I think that's pretty much true with most things that happen in D and D. Is yeah. you know, we we immediately poured over into some kind of uh, movie scene. At twentieth level, you get foe slayer, where yeah, you get to throw in your ability. capstone ability. You get to throw your wisdom modifier, which is usually pretty good on a lot of rangers because you're, you know, you've pumped that up for your uh, magical spells, and you get to apply that onto your attack and damage rolls against a favorite enemy. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Well, go ahead. Finish. And well, then well that, that was pretty much... Um, it says you can uh, you choose that feature before, before. or after the roll. Yeah, okay. before so, or after. So first, it is attack or damage. Okay. Oh, I Le- said and. Yeah, yeah, it is or. Okay. Sorry, my bad. Let me just say, I don't, I'm not familiar with every single capstone ability, but I would rather drive a nail through my forehead than take this capstone ability. <laughs> Your friggin' 20th level, you get... A plus five to a single roll on attack or damage, but it has to be against your favorite enemy. How often are you going to use this ability? By the time you're 20th level, plus five is is jack. It doesn't mean anything. That's fair. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure the rogue ability is like (laughs) insta-kill. Yeah. (laughs) And here's a ranger that only against your favorite enemy on a single roll do you get a plus five. I don't think that he's it's so much weak. against it. I think he's actually complaining that the ranger has a crap capstone. It is. It's total crap. It's it's lame. Like, come on. That's an ability that I would expect to see at, like, seventh level. Hey, guess or what? 12 On your 14. favorite enemy, you can add your, your ability modifier to your attack or damage roll. That'd be cool. Because I don't run into my favorite enemy very often, right? Well, so my, I mean, my when I do, undead. I should be good at fighting it. Well, no, you have to wait till 20th level. Unless you level. plan yeah. really well and yeah. your uh, favorite enemy is the big bosses that you're fighting at 20th level. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of the worst capstones in the book. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the Unearthed Arcana version isn't any different, which is about that. That would have been a good place to either pump up the number or make it an and instead of an or. Yeah. Or, you know, an extra kind of attack against your favorite enemy. Even that's probably underpowered. You know, I mean, something. Plus five. Come on. At 20th level. It's a little weak. Yeah, a little. I still like my ranger. (laughs) (laughs) 
Don't let them big, bad, mean guys say anything bad about your Expanded ranger. crit range. Auto crits. There you go. Auto uh, crits on your favorite enemy once a day. Again, homebrew. Email that in. There you go. You can do that. You've got D&D Beyond. Full access. Make that homebrew rule. Yeah. There you uh, go. I don't want Greg to feel good about his character. <laughs> I'm well aware of this. I've been dead more than anybody else on the campaign. That is true. <laughs> and he spent a lot of time dead. <laughs> Long time dead. No wonder he hates the undead. All right. So, so you know, there's different archetypes for rangers, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I wouldn't go so, so far to say quite a few, but. Hunter's pretty popular, right? There's five. Um, yeah. I, I picked Hunter. Um, I think that's probably, you know, Hunter and Beast, the classics, the two in the book, I Probably pick more than I the others. I don't see Beastmaster a lot when I play because really? it tends to be underpowered, and that's why they're trying to revise it to make it the prime. There's serious balance issues because of the action economy. That's what really really limits combat of Fifth Edition. When yeah. you add a beast, you're adding an action, and yeah. and essentially you're adding another character to the mix. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to account for that, so they're very hesitant to do that without it costing an action. Um, to get the beast to attack, but in most cases, and that's the way it is now, the ranger doesn't want to give up their action because their attack is better than their beast attack. So they're dragging this pet around that doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's the downside of that is, yeah, you've got to forego your action so your you know your wolf can go try to bite something and not damage it very heavily. So, I mean, so just real quickly, Beastmaster, you get your beast, it's limited and it's challenge rating. That's the other problem is that when you hit area of effect spells, they die more easily. <laughs> uh, now... You know, to base commands. Uh, I mean, and it's nice that it gets your bonuses and stuff like that. So uh, they did update the rule set, which if on D&D Beyond, it automatically gets updated. Um, but they did errata this. They said it was clarification. But truthfully, I think they sort of added. Uh, yeah. um, but if you're incapacitated or absent, the beast acts on its own, focusing on protecting you and itself. Instead of just standing and there. And it never requires okay. you to command it to use its reaction. So oh, I had not seen that. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, it'll stand guard over your, your slowly dying body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been or you've been ordering it around for the entire combat. You drop like a I would I would house rule and that, it drags like you the out. beast could like lick you and it's its spittle has healing properties. Yeah. And it can, and it can stabilize you. It gets a, he, a healer's kit roll. Well, if Greg dies as much as he says he does, he needs one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a hunter, man, not a beast master. So, yeah. Um, you get, you know, and with the hunter archetype, you do get some cool stuff. Um, I do enjoy, uh, you get, there's Colossus Slayer, Giant Killer, and Horde Breaker at third level. Yeah. And uh, the Colossus Slayer is nice. That's an extra D8. Against a single target. Against a single target, and you only get to use it once, which, uh, you know, once once you get your second attack. Once per turn. Once per turn, yeah. So it's kind of like, I'd love to get both times, but I'll take one. Um, At third level, an extra D8 is substantial. It is. It is. I I, mean, rogues are only getting a D6 for sneak attack still, I believe, at third level. Yeah, third level, it was was great. Now I'm just like, oh, I just throw it in there. Um, Then the giant killer, when a larger, larger creature within five feet of you hits or misses you with an attack, you can use your reaction to attack that creature immediately after its attack. Not as cool. Not I'm not a fan of abilities that require you to be targeted or hit or have something bad happen. Reaction abilities, yeah. yeah. Uh, Horde Breaker, uh, on each of your turns, when you make a weapon attack, you can make another attack with the same weapon against a different creature that is within five feet of the original target and then range your weapon. So that's... Yeah. It's an extra attack at that now, level. Now, you get one of those. You get to pick one of those 
Yeah, things. and that's the down. So you, you know, I, I can't imagine. Some... I can't imagine anybody picking giant killer unless you're in a campaign where <laughs> all of your foes are going to be giant. Yeah. Um, some and some of these archetype abilities seem very geared towards what campaign you're going to be in mm -hmm. and would make it a lot harder if you were designing this character for Adventures League where you don't know what you're going to be walking into six months from now. Um, Can I just... Something I just noticed. I'm looking at D&D &D Beyond here and the Hunter archetype yeah. compared to the Beastmaster archetype, the Hunter takes up a full page and a half. Oh, and yeah, the Beastmaster... Whereas the Beastmaster is, is half a page. Yeah. It almost seems as if the person who designed these just wanted to to use Eric's word a lot, railroad you into a particular way of playing this type of class. Well, yeah. either that or they just didn't put nearly as much thought or consideration into the Beastmaster. Beastmaster is a problem, especially at third level. If you're going to give me a wolf that can attack with me at third level, my average damage per round eclipses every other class. So how do I account? But then at 15th level... yeah. If you're making me waste my action to get my wolf to attack, it's useless, right? I mean, it's even if I get an elephant as my beast, it's still the monster damage. <laughs> T-Rex as your companion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's a problematic class given the rule set that we work in. in yeah, in it, it needs it needs a lot more tweaking, a, yeah. like a redo. Um, <laughs> and they're trying. Not, I mean, they, they are. They've they messed are. with I, it. There's been another article that I, I haven't kept up on it because I'm not a yeah. huge ranger fan. But. I'm aware. <laughs> I like um, to kill them. At seventh level, you uh, you get some more fun things. Escape the horde, which is nice, which is opportunity attacks are a disadvantage. Um, and and just disclaimer here, I'm guilty. I am leading with everything that I picked because obviously that's the best one. You took escape the horde. Right? I took escape the horde. Yeah. Uh, again, <laughs> I don't want to be in a position where I'm giving creatures opportunity attacks. I want to play my character such that I'm not taking. So I'm never going to use that ability. And if I do. How often am I using it? And there's it's essentially a minus five to the attack roll, so they might still hit me at higher levels because creatures, you know, can still hit you. So I don't know. It's it's very for well, compared to the other ones. Yeah. Well, part of it it was a reaction because I had run into a situ couple of situations right before seventh level where I'd wished I'd had that. So the uh, next one is the one that I would pick. Yeah, and and it is nice. And I, I did waffle a lot between escape the horde and multi attack defense, which is when a creature hits you with an attack, you gain a plus four bonus to your AC on all subsequent attacks made by that creature for the rest of the turn. Yeah. At higher levels, creatures frequently get multiple attacks. Yeah. Right. And that would have been nice, but I was being a little short sighted at the time. I think this was right after I got uh, trapped on a rock and like six wolves were attacking me and I was alone and, you know, naturally. That's never going to happen again. Yeah. And they're they're within five feet of you. So your bow attack doesn't work. So I'm, you know, waving my sword at them uselessly. Raul so I picked that escape. Being alone. <laughs> Sad. Right. And then the last one. And Steel Will, you have advantage on saving throws against being frightened, which, to be honest, I should have picked that <laughs> he one. He I failed picked every that one. frightened saving throw no for like kidding. the first two years of our campaign. I'm still wow. failing frightened saving throws pretty frequently. Yeah. I just have. It's it's like my dice betray me every time I do that. So, yeah. Skip the uh, and I haven't pointed this out before, but part of the reason is because you have this concept that you're an archer, so you should be away from the party so you don't mm -hmm. get caught in air of effect, right? I don't need to be near everybody else. So he runs yeah. away. From the paladin. <laughs> so he's never getting the aura bonus. Yeah. For the, everybody else gets a plus four. Uh, now the paladin has since turned evil and then turned back to good, but he's still an NPC. Yeah. But, uh, so that well, wouldn't help I don't like anymore. Him. But 
But well, that's a day. But then again, if we're wading into combat there and I have to be 10 feet away from things to be plugging them, that's that's not a good thing. Uh, 11th level. Uh, there's some uh, multi-attack bonuses. Volley. This is nice. You can use your action to make a ranged attack against any number of creatures within 10 feet of you of a point you can see within your weapon's range, which if you have sharpshooter yeah. is Within 10 nice. feet of your initial target. Now, yeah. DM tip here. They use their action, so if they get multi-attack, they don't get their additional their additional attack. This is their action. They get one roll against as many creatures within ten feet of their initial target. They don't get that second arrow shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's you, nice. But it's still good. Yeah. You I must mean, have ammunition for each target as normal. Yeah. yeah this is so. the hawk, the slayer effect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a whirlwind attack, you can use your action to make a melee attack against any number of creatures within five feet of you with a separate attack roll for each yeah. target. So, so, and this, there's no picking. It's either yeah. if you're an archer, you, you, you take the first can, one. If you're a two-weapon fighter, you take the second yep. one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, at 15th level, you get superior hunter's defense uh, grouping, which is either evasion, where you can uh, dodge out of the way of things you get... Uh, when you are subjected to an effect that allows you to make a dexterity yeah, it's just, saving it's throw. Yeah, it's evasion like rogues get. Yeah, half, it's, it's half basically. Half damage on a save, no yeah. damage, or, you know, half damage on a failed save, no damage on a yeah, successful it's, save. It's ranger evasion. Uh, or stand against the tide, which is when a hostile creature misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to force the creature to repeat the same attack against another creature other than itself. Yeah, again, not a fan. It, it's contingent upon... A, a creature attacking you, B, B that creature missing, missing you, and C, C, there being an enemy within five feet of the creature that missed you that you can right. redirect. Lots yeah. of things on that yeah. one to be able yeah, to Yeah, way use. too many uh, qualifications on that one. And uncanny dodge, which is, you know, uncanny dodge, which is yeah. half, half the damage of a creature's attack. That's what I would take. You yeah. get hit. You're going to get hit. You're going to be able to use it take once around. Take half of the damage. Take yeah. half mm-hmm. the damage. Makes I sense. Be- I believe that's what I picked. Um, and as we've mentioned... Beastmaster, not a whole lot going on with the Beastmaster. No, no, you pick a, your creature. Sort of a train wreck. Yeah. You get something at 7th, 11th, and 15th level. Uh, exceptional training uh, on any of your turns when your Beast Companion doesn't attack. You can use a bonus action to command the Beast to take the dash, disengage. So you can command your creature to run away. Okay. Can, can I cover Gloomstalker? And I'm going to talk about my, my Ranger I built yep. for this one. Okay. So Gloomstalker was... Yeah, uh, that would be the next uh, one. Was that uh, Xanathar's? Yeah, yeah, yeah Gloomstalker, Horizon Walker, and Monster Slayer okay. are all out of Xanathar's. So Gloomstalker, you're, you're at home in the darkest places, right? I mean, it's like the name says. You're, you're basically live in the shadows. Third level, you get uh, some Gloomstalker. You get this guy's self. Big whoop. But here's, here's the thing you also get at third level. Um, you're the... Dread Ambusher, you're the master of the art of ambush. You give yourself a bonus to initiative rolls equal to your wisdom modifier. That's sort of nice, right? You're a ranger. You're probably going to have a decent wisdom, another plus two, plus three to your to your initiative. But more importantly, at the start of your first turn of each combat, unlike Assassin for the Rogue, you don't need surprise. It's just your first turn of combat. Your walking speed increases by 10 feet, which is nice until the end of your turn. And also, if you take the attack action on your turn, you can make one additional weapon attack as part of that action. So if you're a fifth level ranger and you're getting two, you get the extra attack, you get your base, your extra attack. If you're a dread ambusher, you get another attack on the first round. Truthfully, most combats in D&D last about three rounds. That's fair. Right? Mm -hmm. So getting an extra attack, even for just one round, is substantial. 
Okay. And if that attack hits, you do an extra D8 of damage. Which, now, at third level, everyone's only getting one attack still. You're getting two and you're doing an extra D8 on that second attack on the first round of combat. That's a really good ability. Yeah, and that's it nice. it continues to scale well because you always get that extra attack, which is using all your normal hits and, and rolls. Here's the other thing you get at third level. Uh, umbral Sight. You gain dark vision out to 60 feet. If you already have dark vision, it pushes that out 30 more feet. So that's nice. That's pretty cool. If you're a non-dark vision race. And even if you are a non I like the fact that they extended at 30 feet. But here's the kicker. You're also adept at evading creatures that rely on dark vision. While you're in darkness, you're invisible to any creature that relies on dark vision to see you in that darkness. You're invisible to dark vision-based creatures. That's pretty cool. The only thing that's seeing you is uh, creatures with tremor sense or, you know, that that have some ability that can... Well, I was wondering what the explanation for that was. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you live in the shadows. You're like this shadowy figure. But um, you live in the shadows, and the people who also live in the shadows have that dark vision. And yeah. I don't know. Uh, it seemed it seemed hard to explain, but super cool to have. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so now let me just cover the rest of them. Then I'll talk about my my little build here. At seventh level, you have Iron Mind. Um, you gain proficiency in Wisdom saving throws. Remember how we said Wisdom was the second, probably the second most used saved yeah. um, next to Dex. Now as a Ranger, you have Dex and Wisdom. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, and if you already have wisdom for some reason, you gain intelligence or charisma, which are almost never used. <laughs> um, That's fair. At 11th level, Stalker's Fury. Um, flurry. Flurry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> flurry. Um, you can turn a miss into another strike. So once on each of your turns, when you miss with a weapon attack, you can make a nexter attack. Again, scales well with level. Like, oh, I missed. I'm yeah. just going to roll again. It's a reroll. It's essentially lucky it's every turn for yeah. one attack. Um yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Which is one of the three overpowered feats in 5th edition. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and at 15th level, Shadowy Dodge. Uh, you can dodge in unforeseen ways. Whenever a creature makes an attack roll against you and doesn't have advantage, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage. And you uh, must use the feature before you know the outcome of the roll. That's okay. It's not no. great because I don't like that you have to use your reaction. But it's it's decent. Mm-hmm. If you don't really don't want to be hit by something with a nasty effect, it gives you... You know, let's you throw another die into the mix. So what did you use or what did you come up with? Okay, so um, in true Eric fashion, I uh, <laughs> how many, made how a many, character. How many classes? Uh, two. He's only two. Wow, only two. Um, and uh, I call him Flad the Impaler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I made him a, a dark elf, a drow, just mm-hmm. because I could. I, you don't need to be a dark elf. You could be anything. Um, but essentially, and I built him up to ninth level because that's really where he comes online. He's he's good before then, but ninth is really where he, he hits his stride. So he's got th- uh, four levels in Ranger, Gloomstalker, because I wanted to get that ability score increase. And a nice and, thing if you're a drow. And five levels in Fighter. Hmm. Now, hmm. now that's, you know, people might say, well, Fighter, what, you know, you're already a Ranger. Why do you need to be a Fighter? Well, here's the thing. Fighters get a lot of ability score increases, more than every four levels. Right. Um, and they get those extra attacks, which yeah. I like. So primarily, um, for my first ability score increase, um, well, I have two that, that I've gained. And those two turn out to be uh, Sharpshooter, obviously, because duh, Sharpshooter, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Crossbow Expert. Oh, Crossbow Expert gives you, lets you, if you attack with a one-handed weapon... 
it lets you use a bonus action to sh- shoot a hand crossbow as an extra attack. Yeah. So you're in there waiting in with a sword and a hand crossbow. No, no, no. No? <laughs> hand crossbow is a one-handed weapon. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't need to be a melee weapon. So I stand in the shadows with a hand crossbow. I then shoot with my hand crossbow. Oh, guess what? I'm invisible to almost every creature, so I attack with advantage. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to sharpshoot. I'm going to take the minus five and get the plus ten. So I get my one regular attack. I get my extra attack because I'm a uh, fifth level fighter, attack, yeah. right? Um, and I get my bonus attack because I'm a crossbow expert. Right. Oh, by the way, I'm a gloomstalker, so the first round of every combat, I get an extra attack. So the first round of combat, I'm attacking four times. My attacks are at plus 11 to hit. Now, I'm taking a minus five, so that's only plus six, but I'm rolling with advantage because I'm in the shadows. I'm doing 1d6 plus 15 damage per attack for four attacks. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, but wait, I get the extra D8 on that Gloomstalker attack, so I'm tacking that on there as well. And I, I'm figuring I have a plus two hand crossbow by this point. You can adjust the numbers. Because <laughs> um, my dex is still only 16, but that's no big deal because nothing can see me. How often am I going to get attacked? Right? <laughs> wait for that fireball boy, and then he's going <laughs> to... If they know I'm there... <laughs> I mean, it's that's a that's an awesome build. But I have to, after all of that, um, and we've talked about this in the past. You're a min maxer. Yes. If you had to play, and we're going to be talking about this in an upcoming episode, uh, old school, where you know those numbers, it's all about role playing and not number role playing. How do you handle that? Well, that's somebody else's job. Anyway. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, and that's why I'm a drow, because it sort of fits along with the drow. Like, yeah, they, they're right. from the underdark. They, they're comfortable in the dark, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. The, the the one where, why can't anybody see me? Yeah. That's a little weird, but, you know, they put it in the rules. Why would they Why would they put that? that but the ability to basically just have advantage on every Everything. attack. Now, if I'm a DM and I'm combating that creature... Um, all the, the rest of the player characters yeah, are not going to One thing, like I'm you. not going to let him be in dim light. I'm going to light up wherever he is. Yeah. Or I'm going to hit him with area of attack, uh, area of effect spells. Yeah. Or I am going to start putting in creatures that don't rely on dark vision, that have tremor sense, that have whatever. And then I'm just going to hose that, that, that character bad. Um, but Some gelatinous cubes. I have played that. with people who have this build or similar builds at tables, and it dishes out the damage like nobody's business. Wow. I mean, it's crazy how, how much... If you take a human, you get a first-level feat, and then by the time you hit fourth-level or fifth-level ranger, because that's when you get multi-attack, at fifth level, you're still getting four attacks, and you're getting plus 13 crazy. damage. Crazy. You know, at fifth wow. level, it's, it is it is an absurd build. Nice. So that's Gloomstalker, which is a very handy dip because a lot of that stuff comes online at level three. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to point out here is... All three of the archetypes in Xanathar's, really, if you just look at them, they're a lot nicer than the ones in the original player hand. They are. They, they spent more time, I yeah. think. Yeah. I th- the the number one thing is those the the feature the feature before, activities and spells that you get. Before we go on with more ranger archetypes, there is one other huge problem with rangers, um, and that's <laughs> that they're loners, like traditionally, like Aragorn lived in the woods and stuff. traditionally, yeah, they have yeah. problems dating. 
It's hard to meet people when you live in the woods and you're friends with pegasi and, and satyrs, right? They are kind of lonely when, when people. your wolf is your friend. So luckily, we have one of the most well-known rangers. We have an episode of the Greyhawk dating game where uh, I believe Dritz um, was was one of the bachelors. Um, so why don't we give that a listen and uh, you know hopefully get some insight into how lonely it can be being a ranger. All right, here's the Greyhawk dating game. Welcome to the Greyhawk Dating Game. Today's contestant is Emily. She's a milkmaid in the village of Hommel, and she says she's looking for an adventure in her next relationship. Welcome to Greyhawk, Emily. Thanks, Chuck. I'm looking forward to meeting some adventurous bachelors today. I can be pretty out of control myself. Last year, I hemmed my dress the night before the Harvest Festival to show an inch of ankle. Oh my, that is adventurous. You will be glad to hear that we went extra planner to get today's adventurous bachelors. Bachelor One hails from Greyhawk, but spends a lot of time on other planes. Hello, Emily. Bachelor Two is from Forgotten Realms and says he likes long walks on the beach at night. Greetings, fair Emily. And Bachelor Number Three comes from Westeros and has been unlucky in love. Maybe he will be lucky today. Hi. Hopefully, we will help Emily find a planner love connection today. Emily, what questions do you have for our bachelors? In my village, they call me Mimu because my name is Emily and I milk cows. What nicknames have you had and how did you get them? I've been called the ultimate Mary Sue by many because of my ability to easily overcome any challenge, regardless of the odds. Reek. Because I reeked. Smelled really bad. At various times, I've been called the maimed god, master of the spider throne, the whispered one, the lord of the rotted tower, the dying king, and the undying king. It's complicated. Sounds like our bachelors have some interesting backgrounds. How do you feel about that, Emily? Those weren't the kind of answers I was expecting, but I am intrigued. As am I. Why don't you ask them your next question? I have been a milkmaid my whole life, and I think it's important to take pride in your occupation. What kind of work do you do? I wander the wilds with my trusted panther companion, battling evil and protecting innocence, even those that mistrust me. I was born a son of the Iron Isles and raised in the noble house of Stark, and trained to rule. An unfortunate incident prevents me from furthering the family line, and my position has been usurped. I am a demigod. Uh, it is complicated. You like a working man, eh? What do you think of our bachelor's work? Well, I'm not sure if wandering the wild counts as work, and the whole demigod thing seems like it would take a lot of time. Maybe best to move on then. What other things are important to you that you want to ask our bachelors? I have a large family, and we love to get together for birthdays and holidays. Tell me about your last family gathering. My uncle, commander of the Iron Fleet, after killing my father, attacked my sister and I. He took her captive, and I jumped overboard. During a raid... I refused to kill an elven child. My clan sacrificed my father to the goddess Lolth in an attempt to return to her favor. I fled the Underdark and have not seen my family since. I last saw my mother centuries ago as she was consumed by fire by the townsfolk of Fleeth for practicing witchcraft. Fleeth? I haven't heard of that town. I'm not surprised. I raised it after mastering the dark arts. Oh my... No surprises there, right, Emily? Being a family member of an adventurer is statistically the most dangerous occupation. 
Um, well, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yes. Even being within a five-mile radius of an adventurer triples your chances of death or dismemberment. I guess that's why they call it adventure. What else is important to you, Emily? Well, I've dated several times, and I just never seem to meet Mr. Wright. But I think it's important to remain friendly with your exes. How did your last relationship end? As the bloody ended, my trusted lieutenant betrayed me. In my destruction, he was flung across the multiverse to the Citadel Cavidius on the quasi-elemental plane of Ash, where the negative energy gradually transformed him into a vampire. I eventually rose as a demigod. It was really a win-win when you think about it. My wife was struck by a falling strand of the weave and caught between two planes of existence. She sacrificed herself to seal away the Ghost King. Eventually, she was reincarnated as a mortal newborn, but staying married to her would have been weird, even for me. It was a little fling with a wildling. Seems so long ago. Exciting stuff, right, Emily? It wasn't really what I was expecting when I thought about adventure. I mean, I mean, I milk cows for a living. These guys are pretty far out there. I know. Isn't it great? Adventure you wanted, adventure we got. Maybe you can have too much adventure? Nonsense. I'm sure one of our bachelors would be a fine match for you, Emily. Why don't you ask one more question before making your selection? Um, okay. Uh, my grandma has bad carpal tunnel from years of milking, and my grandpa is really helpful around the house. What kind of experience do you have helping people with disabilities? I'm told I have a severe allergic reaction to sunlight, but honestly, it never really seems to affect me in any meaningful way. Sunlight? I'm missing a hand and an eye. Granted, they're only really misplaced and I expect to be reunited with them someday. A hand and an eye. Ramsey Bolton severed my manhood and fed it to his dogs. <laughs> oh my, that took an unexpected turn. But hopefully Emily knows which bachelor she would like to select. The lucky couple will go on an all-expense-paid vacation to the Sea of Dust, where they will see ancient Bakluni ruins, wind sail on the Dust Lakes, and visit the Museum of Twin Cataclysms. So, Emily, who is the lucky bachelor? Well, Chuck, bachelor number one seems a little too evil for my taste. Sorry, bachelor number one. It looks like Vecna, Archlich, and Demigod needed more than arcane knowledge and diving power to find love today. Bachelor number two seemed okay, but he seems extremely unlikable for some vague reason. Bachelor two also strikes out. Emily passed on Driz Duorden, the Dark Elf Ranger from Forgotten Realms. I guess that leaves Bachelor 3. Even though he's missing some pretty important parts, he's surprisingly the least offensive of the bunch. Congratulations, Theon Greyjoy! Thanks. Alright, there's the dating game. Yeah, not yeah. not sure how that that's gonna turn out for any of those people, but uh, but you know. They need some nicer people on that. I get Raoul L on that. She's not. I've been dead twice. Yeah. You know, my mom's a ghost. Kind of. I spent I spent three months, you know, <laughs> dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mostly dead. Um, yeah. Anyway, so there's a couple so, other archetypes that that we should probably just mention. They're not. I haven't run into them as. Um, they're kind of cool. Um, Gloomstalker and Horizon Walker, and then there's Monster Slayer as well. Um, Horizon Walker strikes me as gloomstalker is ranger in the underdark horizon walker is ranger 
across the multiverse. Yeah. Yes. Which you would get, be mm-hmm. cool at high levels and when you're doing like planar stuff. Yeah. Now, that, that's one thing I saw about that is that and, – and as with anything else – it's really dependent on what campaign you're in. I mean, Horizon Walker is super cool if you're in a campaign where you know you're going to be plane hopping ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does give you a lot more options, but I agree. It is very yeah. campaign dependent. A lot of campaigns never leave the prime material plane. I mean, you're just so there's some abilities you can still use, but it would be much more fun to play in sort of a, uh, a spell jammer or a planescape sort of. Yeah. And then and Monster Slayer just it kind of that struck me very much as they took Hunter and refined it and made it a little more specific. And I'm not sure if that's fair. I mean, is it too specialized? Like it a is hunter a little bit. is a hunter. Like yeah. that covers monsters. The way they have it written, you can choose your favorite enemy as monsters. It's not like, oh, my my favorite enemy are elk and pheasant. You yeah. Know? I mean, that would be one thing, but in Yeah, the monster slayer seeks out vampires, dragons, evil fae, fiends, and other magical threats, trained in supernatural techniques to overcome such monsters. Yeah, so, so is it like a Von Helsing, but is that yeah. a ranger? Well, yes, yeah, so I think I, mean, I think all of these, especially the monster slayer, you're straying from the archetype a little bit. Um, all three of these uh, archetypes too, you get uh, you get basically free spells, which is super cool. You know, the Gloomstalker, you got the Disguise Self, the Rope Trick, the Fear, uh, Greater Invisibility and uh, Seeming, uh, Horizon Walker, uh, Protection from Good and Evil, Misty Step. The fifth level, they throw you Misty Step for free. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a good um, And that's, that's what I like about these is you're getting free spells that have something to do with uh, with your, um, uh, your character. character and yeah. especially the Horizon Walker, you're getting Protection from Good and Evil, Misty Step, Haste, Banishment, and teleportation circle. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you're stepping on your wizard's toes a little hey, bit. And, but that's the definition of a ranger. Yep. I'm going to step on, on other classes' toes. toes. Yep. Uh, Monster Slayer, protection from good and evil again. Uh, zone of Truth. <laughs> Which I hate that as a DM. <laughs> Watch the Zone, zone of, of Truth. Truth. You know... <laughs> It's not cool and not really. I don't see that as a rangery spell. At some point, we would like. It's funny because we always talk about like. uh, Well, we don't always talk about, but in the past, I have thought about and talked about with people. How would society actually evolve? If D and D spells were real, (laughs) for one thing, every friggin' castle would have a dome on it. Like you would not have medieval-looking castles. The reason medieval-looking castles looked like they did was because no one could friggin' fly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Once people can fly, you don't want that big open top anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. you mm-hmm. want to live in a big hut. Uh, by the same token, like zone of truth, course would be super easy. Like <laughs> you go to court. Guess what? If you don't talk, we convict you. If yes. you do talk and you don't tell the truth, we convict you. If you do talk and you tell the truth and you did it, we convict you. Like. <laughs> Court's like three minutes long. It's just you cycle them uh, in, cycle them out. Anyway. Um, yeah, you rant. get Magic Circle, Banishment, and Hold Monster. And uh, and as for all three of these classes, it's 3, 5, 9, 13, 17 yeah. that you get the levels at. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually a big fan of the the free spell thing. And if I made, a, if I made another uh, Ranger, I would seriously consider the Horizon Walker. Uh, just because, you know, sometimes zipping between planes is pretty cool. 
And I had a superhero character that was kind of like that. Yeah, one you still too. have spell slots. It's just sort of added to your list. Yeah, and yeah. It doesn't they, take they're up. Like, a they're like freebies. For, yeah, yeah. All yeah, all the spells that I mentioned. When uh, as you level up, you get those in addition to whatever normal, yeah, normal spells, spells you get on your level up. Um, uh, Horizon Walker, he gets detect portals where you can. Yeah. Not as super oh, useful, yeah, nice. but Planar Warrior is pretty cool, which as a bonus action, you choose a creature you can see within 30 feet of you. And next time you hit the creature on this turn with a weapon attack, all damage dealt by that attack becomes force damage and the creature takes an extra D8 of damage from an attack. And when you reach 11th level, it takes it's 2D8. Yeah. So it's, okay. it's compare that to the capstone ability yeah. that Rangers get right. An yeah. extra, a plus five. Here's at, at third level, third level, you're picking yeah. a creature and as a bonus action you're doing an extra d8 and all damage is forced which is almost never resisted yeah so that's kind of cool uh it's seven uh let we get ethereal step and again all these are happening and i think at pretty nice reasonable levels um you learn to step through the ethereal plane and on a bonus action you can cast etherealness spell uh, with the feature and uh, without expelling a slot. Again, it's another free spell. Free spells are cool. Yeah, once per rest. And, uh, but yeah, you do only get to use it once. Uh, distant Strike at 11 and Spectral Defense at 15th. Yeah. Distant Strike, you can teleport 10 feet when you hit something. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, the Spectral Defense, when you take damage, you can use your reaction to be resistant yeah, to the attack. Basically, damage. Yeah. It's evasion. So, I'm going to have to revisit my long-standing ranger character and rebuild him not that i'll ever really ever get a chance to play him but i after doing this i think i've got some ideas that i would like to rework him on but uh yeah rangers can be fun especially with the xanathar's builds i'm almost and that's where i'm thinking of going that's where i'm thinking of going this has been very inspiring for me and i haven't been doing a lot of talking because i've been sitting here thinking and reading so much (laughs) i'm like Wow, that would be really cool for Cregan. That's that's the name of my character. So. Yeah, I, I really think that you now even with my character conception that I had, I probably would have picked one of these if they were available yeah. at the time. This book came out what? Yeah. Two well, years that after campaign I made is my... getting close to sort of epic levels, so we we might end up starting starting fresh. Yeah. You never know. Well, um speaking of fresh, yeah. I think that we have uh maybe yeah. kind of run the gamut on this character class greg you got any last words for the ranger uh i just i like this character class uh, i think it makes for really good role playing and um you know as a swiss army character it's a good character to have around mm-hmm. you know all right well for that why don't you take us out uh if you want to tell us about your ranger or uh Anything else that you would like for us to do in the future, you can get a hold of us uh, most easily on Facebook, where we are the Grognards. We're on Facebook pretty regularly. Um, Once in a blue moon, we check Twitter, where we are at T Grognards. And Instagram, yeah, maybe every now and then, we are the underscore Grognards. And if you want to send us a classic email, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. All right, and for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on.